Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do. Welcome to this podcast on Psychology Cast. I am with Fatima from My Psych Career Coach, a place where she helps lots of individuals. Um, and I was going to say, like, how are you, Fatima? I was going to introduce you. But um, yeah, feel free to say hello to the listeners. Hey guys, hi. Hi, how are you? Hope you're well. How's it been this week? You know, with we don't know where we're going with lockdown. Um, we're in the tiering system now. Um, just for context, it's 11th of December 2020 in the year of the pandemic. Yeah, um, I guess the week has, has been a busy week as it typically is and I think for me like I don't know I don't really notice much difference I think I've kind of become accustomed to lockdown now so like every time they bring another one it's like oh here we go again but it doesn't seem to make much of a difference to me because I work for myself and I'm kind of just in my office environment and a lot of my exchanges with people happen over zoom and virtual online kind of uh, communications anyway so it's not been that much of a difference I guess in, in a social sense yeah I haven't been able to see my friends as much so that's um, difficult sometimes to deal with because you always enjoy like socializing and being around friends but how's it been for you? Um, I think I agree yes the, the social side of things I don't think everything, everything else was the same. I think, you know, work is work, right? You know, I, I do feel a bit more like, I don't know, just a bit more productive, but at the same time, the social elements, like if I think back and thinking I've really socialized less in the last nine months, like I can count on one hand how many people I've actually sat in the room with. It's like, I used to sit with like hundreds, like, you know, clients, clinic work and friends as well. But in terms of social surroundings, yes, I, um, it's been weird. It's definitely been weird in terms of like, social space because i think yeah we need that human interaction isn't it to laugh to joke to unwind to relieve stress yeah absolutely i think that it's it's just like that kind of i guess environment where you can just be yourself and you don't have you're not like obligated to be there you just kind of like can be yourself you can vent if you want to you can say what you want because you trust the people that are around you you can be how you want and i think yeah, I guess like with the lockdown as well, because there's still a lot of uncertainty. It's like, how much time can I spend with my friends before it goes back in lockdown? How often should I plan to see them in this time frame that now we've come out of lockdown before we end up going back into lockdown? And there's all of these tears and things like that, which makes it all very confusing. So yeah, I guess even socializing itself has now become kind of pressured because it's like, how can I get the most socializing out of this time that I have right now before we go back into lockdown? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, you know, the time time management and how you're valuing time is is it's becoming more like central to our um, you know, to our to becoming more of a focus, as you say. Um, especially around um, you know, organizational skills, isn't it? It's it's about time, but it's also about people and then about space. Right, because certain shops starting at this time, ten o'clock, and they're changing all the time, and I have to phone people and say what time you open until you know. You know, it's constantly changing, so you have to be really, really organised, up to date, 
um, because you don't know what's going to happen next week. And it's interesting to see what's happening to our, let's just say, our psychology, our psyche. Yeah, in a sense. I completely agree. I think, like, from a personal experience, like, I've always been that person, as you said, up to date, keeping organized, having a plan, having a routine. And I think the lockdown has kind of slowed me down. And I think initially it slowed me down in a, in a positive sense where I was like, oh, okay, I'm taking some time out. I'm recuperating, I'm regrouping. But now I feel like my personality is kind of changing where like, instead of being this like productive, like go-getting personality, like I've started to like really slow down. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm really sensing this lack of motivation. Like I'm really sensing what, like everything's just slowed down around me, but not in like a positive sense. It's more like I'm waiting for momentum to build again with the world around me, if that makes sense. So it's hard to keep that momentum for yourself. So yeah, I feel like in my own personal experience, like it's definitely that lack of motivation and sometimes like feeling like things have slowed down too much that you're almost let, losing your sense of kind of like productivity and functionality in the normal sense that it used to be when you used to go out to go to work or go and catch a tube like really quickly and kind of running late and all of that like rushing to the tube station like all of that has really like obviously gone now so I don't know I just feel that things are much more slower and I don't know if that is positive what do you think? There is that constant, yeah, there is that constant um, change in the variables, I suppose, in psychology, right? You know, we, we so we have to react to that variable, and the variable is coronavirus, right? That's changing all the time. <laughs> we have to react to it all the time as a society, as a as a nation, and, you know, as a, as a global world, right? But I think, yeah, I do sense what you mean. I'm starting to slow down myself, like, um, you know, like sometimes I've just won't move very much at all i just watch something and if it's something like a comedy or something i just be happy to absorb it because i know what it's doing for my well-being if you like i'm feeling good in that sense and um and if there's something that needs addressing and i address at certain points of the day i mean even my diary system right i i've gone from electronic now to a hard copy diary like because i'm in one place um majority of the time so i'm going for like, like so i've noticed those changes you know uh, I, i'm i've already bought a diary next year um and i would never do that in that sense i would basically use the electronic diaries on my phone and stuff like that um i noticed those changes about what tools but how how did you how did you um and have you found um like supporting people with what you do first of all tell us what it is that you do um so you support well, I'll let you explain, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Tell me what it is. Yeah. So um, as a professional right now, I am a self-employed mindset coach and careers coach. And I also support um, businesses as well. So I have like three parts of my business, I guess, as a self-employed practitioner. So qualifications are basically in a psychological well-being practitioner. And I did that for a couple of years and then I decided to kind of like do something that made me feel a lot more passionate, which is supporting students and psychology graduates and psychology kind of enthusiasts to really build a career in psychology. Um, and so I really moved into kind of that area whilst I was already working like for the NHS and then 
what I did was is I really kind of wanted something in terms of like a career to align with my values with the way that I wanted to work and so I decided to go self-employed and now yeah I work as a self-employed careers coach so you'll you'll see me or you'll know me a lot as my site careers coach but I also help people with business in terms of uh, mental health qualifieds that have got the qualifications to set up privately and also supporting people with their mindset as well so it's kind of like three different parts that I support people with but they are very all closely interlinked if that makes sense there's a lot of hats on, isn't it? I, yeah. I mean, that's nice. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, if you pardon the pun, I know I got a cap on. Um, basically, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think they're essential. Like, I didn't know that it was that diverse in that sense. Um, I knew basically, um, you know, I, I know we had a chat before we come, come on this podcast around um, what I thought, um, what it is that you do. And yeah, I think, you know, the profession that you're in, which we're not going to come on to around coaching um, and coaching people, the concept around helping people because, you know, it's, it's helped me um, quite, quite dearly in that sense. And if anyone's listening, some of the best uh, um, advice I've ever got, or even just someone to talk to was a coach and to help me progress to where I am today. So I, 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 I respect the discipline. I respect the role. It's not even just the discipline. It's the role of a coach what the, the impact they have on you. Now, you said you um, were a psychological well-being practitioner. Um, I presume you done your degree um, in psychology, which, which university, just wanted to ask? Yeah, so I did my degree uh, in psychology uh, at UCLan, which is up in Lancashire. And then I did a separate postgraduate qualification in 2016 long after I'd completed my BSc psychology degree in a psychological well-being practitioner. So um, for those of you that aren't aware of this, this is basically helping people with low intensity cognitive behavioral therapy principles to manage symptoms of anxiety and depression. And yeah, so it is, I guess, a, th a therapy practitioner role in itself. So it is different to coaching because I think a lot of people feel that coaching and therapy is the same and they can definitely overlap. Um, but the psychological well-being practitioner role um, is definitely more therapy. But there was a lot of coaching principles that I learned in that training and that I was able to build through my experience. And um, I guess gaining that experience really helped me to think about how I really wanted to support people and what kind of career I really wanted to build for myself. So that's when I went to um, like a, a mini course with the Coaching Academy. I don't know if you're aware of them. Um, I, think, I think I've heard of them. I'm not familiar, mm -hmm. but I have, I've, I have heard of them. Yeah, so the Coaching Academy are like a national like coaching um, organization where they support and train people as well for in coaching. And so I did like a mini course with them and then I was like, oh, I really like this. I really want to do this. So I then spoke to, because I was like, who can I get some support with this? You know, who can I ask about doing a career in this and whether my skills are actually transferable in an ethical way? And so I got in touch with the BABCP, which looks after the PWP qualification. And they were like, yeah, you can actually become self-employed if you want to. 
And so that's what I did. I took the learning that I got from that mini course and I took my training as a PWP and I turned that into a coaching business in itself. And then I started developing kind of a client portfolio where I was supporting people like with their careers, but also their confidence. Um, which was the main kind of area that I worked with in terms of like mindset and supporting people to feel ready and kind of understand the, the impact that working in mental health can have on you, but also like just working on your own mental health when you're working in a career in psychology, if that makes sense. I mean, these, these are life-saving tools, a life-saving tool, what you were saying, I think, because I, I work with a lot of individuals, I come across some individuals and we sometimes we we forget about uh, you know our own functioning um, when we're dealing with in t- intense situations when we're exposed to lots of you know trauma and dark stuff you know really dark stuff you know and who's there to help them and you know because I think psychologists or people working in mental health you know mental health professions we we, we are predisposed I think to be empathetic and we forget about ourselves. And then what happens? Like they, even not just in mental health, in anyone in, in healthcare, we're doing it because, not because of the money, the pay is not great if anyone's listening, but we do it because we, we, we care about people and we, we see value in that and it's, it's, it's equal as, um, as money. And so to have a service to help them, I think, yeah, I, I, I get what you're, um, what you're saying around helping them because they need it as much as more than anyone else and if not more, yeah yeah absolutely and I think it can really differ you know in terms of like what career what stage of your career you are actually in so you get a lot of like psychology graduates that are very fixated on kind of moving up the ladder Mm. and not really kind of um, I guess absorbing their surroundings and really aware of building themselves up in the kind of basic mental health roles and I think they forget that it's not just the resilience that you're building in terms of helping other people you're also building a resilience of understanding your own well-being and how that's impacted by your mental health surroundings so it's like well if I know how to deal with the basic mental health stuff that I come that I work with and then when I come home I learn how to switch off from it I learn how to detach from it a little bit I learn how to compartmentalize what what might be triggering for me when I'm working with someone when they move up that ladder towards like more kind of psychologist roles where they are working with more complex difficulties they're able to manage that a little bit better and I think a lot of people perhaps find that difficult to do because they're just so focused on moving up the ladder and getting to that psychologist um, role as quickly as possible, which there's nothing wrong with that because I think it's important to be ambitious. But, but the other thing that I like to preach is gradual growth. You have to have an understanding of gradual growth and that's not just for your career in psychology, but that's for understanding how your career is going to impact your own well-being, whether it's going to trigger you or impact you in in different ways because of what you hear and what you're exposed to on a daily basis. Fascinating. I mean, I didn't see it from that perspective. I, I hear you. I think, yeah, um, because, yeah, because, you know, the triggers and all that stuff because of what you'll be exposed to, isn't it? It's like because of the sensory overload, you know, some people are much more in a position that feel, that they're more the reactive um so being aware of that and i think you're right that sort of like speed to go becoming a like oh look i think I, I was you know if i'm honest um you know i was guilty of it when i was when i was when i was doing my master's for example you know my mind was like well when do i when do i when do i become one right i'm not interested in what you're going to say and i remember this 
person came and told us like, look, you know, I think it's good that you train for a long time. I go, look, I haven't got time for that. I mean, I go, you might have time for that. But I don't have time. Do you mean because we're thinking linear, right? We're not thinking like, you know, it takes different routes. But now looking back on it, because she said to me, you know, if you spend about four years training, I was like, yeah, yeah, right. You know, get lost, you know, kind of thing. I, I didn't mean four years, you know, it's that sort of thing. And then looking back on it, it's now been six years since I've seen, I'm still training six years. And so my mission, my initial rejection was two years too long, but I'll accept, you know, two years. Then the lady said four years. That's what she was doing. I was like, I ain't mean that long. And I ended up doing six. I think it'll be seven years next year. Um, before, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still, and you know what I say? I agree with you. Like, yeah, the more time you spend in formulation, building stuff and, you know, experience and knowledge and your resilience is what I like. Because you're going to be dealing with all sorts of stuff. You know, I, I presume you've, you came across a lot of stuff in your time as a practitioner in, in the NHS. Yeah, absolutely. So I think my passionate interest in supporting people with this really comes from my time in working in forensics. Mm. So I used to work uh, in forensics where I used to work um, on a ward with male offenders. And um, that was within like a secure unit. And I think that was my first like experience of true mental health and understanding what it's like to be a support worker on the front line building rapport with people, understanding what it means to um, empathize with people that might have um, different kinds of histories or, you know, things that you would never associate yourself with. And um, just learning how to understand mental health from a completely different perspective um, as a clinician, as a practitioner or a person that's a staff member um, within that environment really helped me to build a different kind of resilience in understanding like what what it feels like to desensitize from you know certain things that you hear and after a while when you're in forensics I don't know if other people that are in forensics that are listening might agree with this but when you've heard something um you know horrific crimes and things like that for such a long period of time you can start thinking oh well that's normal oh that's something that I hear all the time when actually in normal life it's like whoa that's a bit like I didn't expect to hear that or that's not something that's normal so sometimes you have to I guess in that role, when I was in that role, I had to think about like, really like, how am I becoming desensitized to the information that I'm hearing? And I think not just in forensic settings, but also in clinical settings, when you hear like a lot about trauma and different things that happen to people, you can become desensitized to these sorts of things. And so you have to think about yourself, think about your perspectives, think about what's happening to you. Self-reflection is a huge part of psychology and understanding like your position and what's happening to you and and your like consciousness is really important and i think again like if you're not spending your time like building your experiences you can lose yourself in that and you can go from like 0 to 100 in terms of like your experiences and the severity of the things that you deal with too quickly that actually ends up impacting you so much that then it can have a negative impact on your mental health if that makes sense totally i mean I mean, I do work in the part of my job is working in the prison service and, um, you know, being exposed to all sorts of everyday situations, <laughs> you know, you need to have your wits about you. And, you know, that's what I mean. It, 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 we know what we say, like, you know, the, the prisons basically are like the new mental health asylums. You know, there's a lot of people have got um, uh, mental health conditions like, you know, we've just moved from you know, we used to have those asylums back in the day, 
uh, in the UK, yeah. but now we've moved them into um, the prisons and it's just like we're hiding the problem again. And so, but to be working in that sort of in, um, in um, place, you need to be aware of who you are and what the environment is having an impact on you. Um, like I said about you, it's about consciousness. But I wanted to ask, right? Said, so why did you study psychology yourself? Like, what was the, what was the, um, like, what was your reason to study it? Like, what was your motivation? I suppose. What was the trigger point? Yeah. in psychology. Yeah, that's a really good question. So, my it's my personal experiences that definitely pushed me into psychology. So, when I was growing up, um, you know, I'm quite happy to share this. I came from um, difficult backgrounds where. Um, I'm a South, I'm a South Asian person and a Muslim person. And so um, there were a lot of kind of difficulties in my life where um, perhaps my family had broken down in terms of like divorce and we had to move around a lot and there was lots of difficulties that happened and I felt like there wasn't much stability in my life. And so one of the things that I noticed as I was growing up was that I couldn't really understand my thoughts, my feelings, like what was really happening. And so, you know, I couldn't really even focus my attention on what I wanted to do in life. I really couldn't. Like I, I did something that was completely non-psychology related in uh, college. I did business at college, business focused uh, modules and um, courses. And then when I thought about going to university, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to start from the bottom because I'm gonna have to do the foundation. Yeah, so that's what I did. And I looked into different kinds of things and psychology was one that really kind of, um, struck out to me because it looked at uh, humans and well-being and that wasn't something that I was aware of well-being wasn't something that I was aware of I was only aware of survival <laughs> at that point so I really was interested in psychology because actually it was very self-motivated I'm not going to lie I was very much like I need to figure out what's happening to me <laughs> what's happening in my head in my brain what's happening in, in terms of the environments around me that are impacting me in such a way. I wanna to get to know this, why is this happening? So that was really what motivated me to study psychology in the first place is just getting a better understanding of me as a person. Um, but it was only, I think even at university, it was still very difficult to take on the learning and to really kind of become absorbed in it. And I guess my real passion for psychology only started after the degree. And that was really when I started to absorb myself into like work experience roles and get to know things from other people's perspectives, from other people's cultures and backgrounds. And that's when I really started thinking, oh, I really want to help people. I really want to support people in living their potential in finding their potential and embracing it because I felt like I was slowly starting to do that. And I felt like I hadn't had someone do that for me. So I wanted to be that person for other people, if that makes sense. You know, thank you so much for sharing. I, I, what's the word? Um, yeah, I can see the, 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 the root, um, you know, the path, um, you know, and, you know, what got you here and why you're here, um, and why, why, why do you study psychology? I mean, uh, most people would know this on the other previous podcast, but, um, yeah, the, you know, similar experience in, in terms of personal, um, reason why I got involved in psychology is to look for answers search for answers like find out and you know kind of what the hell is going on kind of thing you know um and i don't know um as you come into psychology or we come into more research you i know i notice there's more 
questions than answers in that sense, right? Because you have more questions than okay, you know. And someone said to me, right, I remember the first time when I went to undergrad, induction day, right? Um, head of department comes in, everyone's sitting there and they let, you know, the do the welcoming, right? All the students, right? So everyone's mm. staying quiet. You've got all the psychologists, right? Hanging about on the floor, you know, sitting there. And you think, okay, they're analyzing me and they're looking at me. Is anyone looking? Do you mean all those things? And he said to me one thing that stuck with me, and that was all those years ago. He said to me, none of us have the answers. And when he said that to me, well, I'm in the wrong place then because I'm spending a lot of money here. You know, in my head, I was thinking, right? I was thinking, none of us have, because obviously I, I didn't understand then like i do now I, you know of course it's not about answers it's about exploring those you know um, questions a bit more deeper isn't it but at the time he said to me well he said to the whole class um to the whole group induction because none of us have the answer and i go well this is a waste of time then that's the cynical thing <laughs> me because i'm thinking i'm spending a lot of money to be here i'm looking for the answers yeah. you're telling me in the first day i woke up none of us, we don't have the answers then why are we here i guess i you know looking back on it yeah, that was a big development but no i i hear what you were saying around you know your personal experience into understanding your own journey now you're using that sort of process to help people um mm. but how so how was it did you did you find what you're looking for then when you did psychology degree did you you know those questions that you had about what the hell is going on with yourself did it mm-hmm. did it answer any of the question did it provide any perspective or did it in the first year, how was it? Right? Was it like, oh, um, I'm still struggling here to find the concept? Or did you find anything like, oh, that was interesting? Yeah, I mean, I think I just remember. So, I mean, it was such a long time ago. I think people think I'm younger than I am, but I, it was like nearly 10 years ago when I went to university. So, you know, I don't remember much of it. I just remember trying to take on all the information about the different neurons in the brain, the different kind of things that happen when we experience like exposure, like in terms of like challenging behaviors and things like that. Mm. And just trying to absorb all of that. Like, I think it was, it's like you're there to understand yourself when actually you're, you're not learning about yourself. You're actually learning about just the human brain and the different areas of the brain. And you're learning so much theory that at that point, as that young like psychological graduate, I had no idea how to apply that into practice. I had no idea how to apply that to myself. So it didn't give me the answers that I was looking for. Absolutely not. But I think what it did give me is an understanding and questions, like questions that I wanted to explore more in terms of myself and just to help other people kind of understand where they might be experiencing difficulties and how they could overcome them. So I think it it definitely like, pushed me into a place where I was like, oh, I need to invest in my learning. Like just doing a degree in psychology is not enough to know anything about how to train as a practitioner at all. And so it actually, like, I think it set a fire in me where I was like, okay, so this is really, like, I'm really fortunate to be here and I really want to do this. And I feel like I've fallen in the right kind of field for me. But it set a fire in me, like, how can I learn more? How can I get to know more? And when I left university, it wasn't about jumping into a master straight away, because I knew that I actually had enough theory in my mind. I wanted to experience things from a first kind of first hand in the front line um, in terms of like other people and what they are experiencing. So then I just literally threw myself into like work experience of like a care worker, a support worker, um, 
and a healthcare worker. And that is what ta taught me, I think, a lot about myself. That is when I learned how to, I think that was a point at probably 22, 23, when I really learned what gratitude meant, when I really learned what it meant to be grateful for like the experiences that you've had and where you are in life because people are in much worse situations, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just think that, you know, yeah, you're right. In, in When you're learning about theoretical context, what does it really mean? How does it apply? How does it become meaningful? Um, and when it comes into play is when you put it into practice, isn't it? And when you start working in the, um, you know, the healthcare provider roles, in that sense, because now, you, you know, when we do human interaction, we, I think subconsciously, I reckon that knowledge is, when we learn and stuff, it's put into our subconscious, right? So mm -hmm. we're not fully aware of it, but it goes in. We haven't fully registered it. But when we interact with humans, this other bit starts to come out to us. It doesn't have to be even about knowledge. It can be about human experience, isn't it? Something's happened in the past, whatever. Um, and I think when you have the interaction, it starts to connect or starts to fit, starts to ignite in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just enough to learn something if you're not going to apply it to anything. Mm. You have to have experiences where you're applying it because... The way that you learn as a person is by being a teacher to someone else. So when you teach someone something, it's like what, when they say, like, if you're finding it difficult to revise for an exam, then teach that topic to someone else. Because your mind works in a slightly different way when you're trying to reframe information to help somebody else understand it, which then makes it a lot easier for you to absorb it and apply it to whatever it is that you need to. So I think um, it's not just about teaching people all the time mm. but definitely like applying it or discussing it and conversing with different people about those topics in real life situations I think it is really what helps you to develop certain skills and qualities around that specific topic that you've learned 100 percent you know I think learning theories play a part in explaining that isn't it there's behaviorism which we learn through by look by social conditioning by observing others um bandura you know i'm sure there's other stuff out there bandura seems to be on that dominating i'm sure there's other stuff you know we're still discovering it right and then there's yeah. cognitivism which is understanding the complex stuff and then we got constructivism isn't it so we're learning through experience mm -hmm. so i think <clears throat> yeah you know people have to absorb the world consume the world in the way that fits for them and in terms of like people who come to you right this mm -hmm. is not more about your work Specifically, specifically, is it specifically? Specifically, as my niece tries to point out sometimes, <laughs> corrects me. <laughs> um, yeah, she goes out of the way, she always corrects me in that sense. And it's interesting because, uh, uh, you know, um, her, her, her life has been my psychology journey because she was born when I first graduated. I mean, not graduated, when I first started the course. So um, that's the length of my time. In, and so she, it's funny how she now she corrects me when I'm saying things. <laughs> is it specific, specifically or specifically? Specifically. I think it's specifically. 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 The <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was saying, specifically with the P. Um, yeah, I, yeah, so what you, this is what you do, right? Um, specifically, um, 
helping individuals who've what you call psychology enthusiasts who want a career in psychology. Um, so what would be, so imagine I come to you, for example, um, mm. and I, I, I've graduated. I want a career in psychology. So I want to become a psychologist, which is, which is what I wanted, you know, all those years ago. Um, so it is the real me. So what would, what would happen? What would you do? Yeah, so I guess the main thing that I would do firstly is to identify like what is the motivation for your career and what kind of career it is that you imagine for yourself. Because I think a lot of people um, want to get into a career and just think about the typical nine to five, you know, and then what happens is when they get into a nine to five, they're like, oh, I don't quite like this. This isn't what I had imagined. And I think the traditional way of working is definitely changing now where we have developed a new culture of new working hours and designing um, a career that fits in our life rather than we fitting into the, the career life, if that makes sense. So it's really important, like job satisfaction and really enjoying your life is the main kind of purpose of what I do. That when you are trying to find a job, it's really important that you align with your job and that you find a job that you really really love and so it's important that you just don't throw yourself into anything or everything that's going to move you up that ladder as quickly as possible because that's where I've seen most of the um, the dissatisfaction in terms of careers come from is that oh I'm doing this but now I hate it how can I change so it's like let's just get your ideas from the start really crystal clear about what you want to do so we would identify their values, we would identify their interests, their hobbies, the kinds of people that they work with. So you've got to think about like psychological competencies and what they typically ask of you. So in terms of like the people that you like to work with, the symptoms that you feel that you could work with, the kinds of like circumstances that people might have come from that you might be happy working with. And this is a lot to ask of someone that's just kind of come out of um, university, but it just asking questions helps to stimulate people's understanding of what a career could be possible for them? What kind of career could be possible for them? So just that awareness of asking these questions helps them to think, oh, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, actually, I would like to work with children or I'd like to work with elderly people. I'd like to work with people with brain injuries um, or from a domestic violence background. And so I think the, the thing is, is sometimes like if we connect like what we do with our values, we are so much better we can be so much better at what we do because we've got such a personal experience. And so it's really important for me to identify these things with the students to begin with. And then we look at the possibilities in terms of careers. So what are universities offering in terms of routes, in terms of courses, in terms of doctorates, in terms of different kinds of training programs that could help someone um, you know, take a route that aligns with their kind of ideas of a career, if that makes sense. And the reason why I do this is because I think when you come out of psychology, the only obvious route that seems appropriate is a clinical doctorate route. And people forget that there are so many different routes out there that you can be going for that would, that would you know, align you up to a psychologist, but you might not have the doctorate title, but you can make such an amazing impact to different people's lives. And because they're not aware of these different routes, they become completely kind of fixated on clinical doctorate, clinical doctorate, clinical doctorate. And I'm not 
um, you know, shaming or um, putting a, a negative point on the clinical doctor. That's not the case at all. It's just basically bringing awareness of the different kinds of routes that people could be doing so that they are aligned with what they want to do and can still help people, which is the whole reason why they entered psychology. Because what happens is when you are fixated on one route, you forget why you're doing it in the first place. You just become fixated on this, what I like to call an invisible rat race of like who can get to the top the quickest and the first. So, so all of that, it's like, it's, I think I like to think that I'm helping people to find their own way rather than following the crowd, becoming another sheep in the herd, if that makes sense. So that is what I initially do with people. And then from there on, it would move into like applications, getting ready to actually sell their qualities, their experiences, building their experiences. So they're not just like trying to rush into a job again and really kind of understanding mental health from like an ethical point where like they understand the basics of looking after someone, the basics of monitoring someone's progress, the basics of noticing certain things that come that, that a patient might be experiencing. Um, and just like having that intuition to work in like a mental health setting. And then I guess after that, it would like move towards like interviews and things like that. And then if they want to move into like higher end roles where they are moving into like higher end, like trainee doctorate roles and things like that. Or for example, if they wanted to become a psychodynamic counselor or something like that, we would look at the training kind of routes for that. And then we start to establish those particular routes for them. And then they go towards um, those particular routes. So it's kind of like a journey that I like to take people through and people come to me at different levels of that journey. Some people are just out of university. Some people are in the middle of it where they've been like doing lots of work experience, but can't figure out like how to get into a proper like trainee train uh, therapist role. And so it just depends on like where that person is at really in terms of how I support them. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I was on, I was on a journey my, there myself. Um, because I think you were describing me or something like you know I just thought to myself okay Hashik Hashi uh, and <clears throat> I know that we, we we're looking at psychology and we can get we can read read each other's behaviors but we can't read each other's minds right mm. um, but yeah I, I think you're right I think this the, the key points some 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 things you've said in there um, particularly around the fixation you know <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to get to here I need this like well no your goals are basically to help people and you don't need that to to do your goal like you don't need but people get so you know tunnel vision if you like and it's a lot of the people that i sometimes mentor as well um you know i tell them like look it's not about you can still make it have an impact on people's life actually <clears throat> i've made it i made lots of contributions before even doing the you know i haven't got my doctorate it's still impending whatever but the point is like the charity work and the people, the clients I work with, I realized, yeah, it's just, it's, there's no difference. Like you're still making an impact on people's life and that's what matters. But you're right, you know, it goes back to your goals. So I think, why, but why do you think that is? What do you, I know you explained a bit there. What do you think people get? Because I think a lot of people will find a lot of sense in that. Why do you think they, they get like that, in your opinion? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think it's um, multiple factors. I think the honest truth is, is that um, the route in psychology feels extremely competitive to a lot of people. So it can feel like 
people are finding it very difficult to get into roles because of so many people trying to access one or the other role. And I think the competitiveness is firstly because perhaps of UK government funding, they only fund certain courses. And so the, the funding is a huge factor in people being able to have a career because not everybody has like 40, 50 grand saved up that they can just push into like, you know, a course. Oh, I'm going to do a doctorate now. I'm going to pay 40 grand. Off I go. It doesn't work like that. So and the salary and everything like you don't quite get a good salary in mental health until you enter like an AP post and above. So I think the, the fact that people are trying to live their life, have a good quality of life, all of that, which is absolutely things that they should have. There's nothing wrong with that. But because of the salaries in mental health, because they're not great at those kind of lower level roles, people are pushing to get as, as high as they possibly can as quickly as, possi as possible because they want that good quality of life. They want to be able to either buy a house or, you know, um, provide for family and things like that. And I recently read a post where this girl was talking about how she was making a decision whether she should set up and have a family or whether she should go for the clinical doctorate. And it really saddens me that this is the truth of the, of the reality in psychology careers that people are choosing whether to have a family or whether to keep trying to get onto the clinical doctorate because they want to have a family, but they don't want to keep trying and not getting onto the clinical doctorate um, because they know that the three years that they do or the four years that they do are going to be extremely intense. So they want to make sure that they've got the time and the energy to do all of that, but equally they want to have a family. And Obviously, you know, you, you can be that person that can have both, but it takes a certain mindset, it takes a certain uh, resilience to be able to do the two together. I've known people that have been in training positions for over 10 years, um, not in clinical, but in forensic, because, you know, they started their uh, qualification and then they had family, they had mortgage, they had all of these things in between. And so that trainee post, if you think about it um, from a career perspective, that trainee post has now been occupied for 10 years when it could have had a couple of different people, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I just, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I know what you mean. A lot of people are putting their lives on hold. Um, since I've been doing my training, I had no choice, basically. Life life had to, to, to happen, you know, still till maintained different things you know jobs and work and uh, sorry um, jobs and building building a home and you know things like that um you know I, don't, I think yeah it's a very difficult um decision when people go through that isn't it like what's your views on that why do why do people do it like why do people become polarized like i can do one or the other I think um, I think it's difficult for people to think that they can have more than one thing. You know, I think especially when you look at when you think about females, there's this interesting concept that, you know, when we feel like we are imposters and we've got imposter syndrome, it's because of that kind of, I guess, you know, systemic, historic kind of mm. idea that men are more than women, they're inferior than women. And so it is that idea that if women want to have something, then they can have one of the other. And obviously psychology mm. being very dominant uh, with females, it's like I can either have my psychology career or I can have a family and spend time with them. And actually I think 
for females and for males, everybody needs to think about, I can have this and that. I can have this with that. And I think if the, the reason as well why we might get fixated on you know, having just one thing and focusing just on that one thing is because of time. People feel like they're constantly running out of time. And it's like, who, why are we running out of time? <laughs> yeah. Time is a concept that's always gonna be there. It's yeah. always gonna be there. It's never that some people have it and some people don't. It's just something that like everything else in life we have to work with. So rather than us trying to set ourselves up against time, why don't we just accept that time is there and continue living our life like saying, okay, so I'm perhaps going to take this journey of going into clinical psychology or whatever slower than perhaps I thought I should and start getting rid of some of those shoulds and musts and think about actually what's sustainable for me, what aligns with me in terms of like what I want for my career and what I want mm. for my life and how can I marry the two together? We need to stop of detaching things and making them separate and start marrying things together and think of them actually how can we do one alongside the other without burnout of course and without putting too much pressure on ourselves um but again it's like that pressure comes from having to do everything within a certain period of time and actually there are courses out there that allow you to do things part-time that allow you to do things you know in your own time frame and Again, it's like, why are we rushing to get to the top? What is the trophy at the top? What trophy is this that we're trying to get yeah, to? Let me know, please. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is it the doctor title? Okay, you've got the doctor title. What does that truly mean for you? Think about it. You get to a psychologist post. What are you doing differently to perhaps what you were doing as an AP? Yeah, you might be running more uh, interventions, working with more complex patients and having more of a input into theory and research, but are you moving away from from a nine to five are you moving away from the kind of practical pressures of the job what is it that you're trying to run into and I think just kind of reflecting on those kinds of things can sometimes put things into perspective and perhaps rein things back a bit if that makes sense yeah I mean you know yeah I just uh, lost in transmission in your thinking no I mean I, on a series I was just thinking like yes I, I know what you I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I see you know the the, the 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 image you're painting. I see them, you know, on 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 regular basis, and uh, like around people pursuing this path. Like, where are we trying to head to? Why we you know? Why are we going? You know, where? Which direction? What you know? What, what's there at the end of the day? What you what are you expecting? You know, slow down and just look at what you really want in your life. And the other point you said about you know, marrying stuff up, like it doesn't have to be in boxes and categories. And I think it does come back to our, like, you know, like when, when we learn and stuff right, as children, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they put like colors and shapes and all of this stuff going on in it. So I think when we think about like our, the way we see the world and stuff, like when we get older, it's a lot to do with that in that sense. Like, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, we, we, we put them in places and stuff. So it's the way we organize today, thoughts and information I think that might be having an impact when we get older because if we don't read books and if we don't read keep developing that is or observe or consume stuff then we can get boxed in if you like you know really boxed in and not listening to you know podcasts you know um and uh blogs and 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 listen to people's websites and perspectives i think you can get boxed in and that's why i think i'm only saying this because it happened to me I, 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 because i started to read more consume more like 
more stuff that's more meaningful, you know. I think there used to be a lot of sports stuff that was that was I mean, like who won and stuff like that. That wasn't that important, but it, I suppose it was, you know. Um but um reading new stuff like you know about human thinking and who we are and where we're going i think that doesn't come unless you formulate stuff formulate thoughts to formulate thoughts you need material you need stimulation yeah absolutely and i think that's a really good point that we have to keep stimulating ourselves and finding ways to keep progressing and the important thing is is that um, you know if you stick to the goals that you had as a 20 year old and then halfway down that like maybe like towards your 30s that goal might change and your values in life might change and you know that the 20s are like that pinnacle point in life where you're you're finding yourself you're finding your way through life you're finding about kind of what you enjoy what you want to do and um trying to kind of stay fixated on what just one goal one route is going to perhaps take you away from so many other opportunities and things that you could absorb and learn and become, uh, you know, an even more well-rounded practitioner. And I think the other thing that you've got to think about as well, if we, if we think about, again, just the psychology route is what well-known or well-rounded psychologist that you know that has rushed themselves to the top. Like seriously, like who is known for being the quickest psychologist there was in the UK? <laughs> There is no one with that title because that <laughs> title is not valued. So we have to stop thinking that way. Mm. And again, boxing ourselves into, I have to be the quickest, I have to be the fastest, or I have to be the, it has to be the easiest. And actually look at marrying things together. And, and you're right that if you allow yourself to learn more and to absorb more and to stay um, aware and informed, then you come to an understanding of how you can marry these things together. And those kind of childhood aspects of like um, the way that we learn in like primary colors, for example, everything separate can soon become like an understanding of like secondary colors where we marry colors together um, and start creating new boxes, perhaps if we want to put ourselves in boxes. Um, but yeah, I mean, goals like goals are great, but goals shouldn't be fixate, fixed goals. They should be flexible goals. So then you're easy on yourself and you're not kind of putting too much pressure on yourself when things don't go your way. Yeah, I, I I think that's so useful in terms of for the for the listeners. Like, it's okay to change direction. It's okay to review, slow down, reflect. Like, it's okay to ask yourself the questions. It's okay to say to yourself, actually, I've not got this wrong, but I need to rethink this a bit, because ultimately the journey is within. It begins with you and ends with you, right? And you're right. There is no, you know, title for the quickest. You know, this isn't the Guinness World of Records in that sense, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think, I think you're right. I think you know, and I think that that's where you come in. You, you know, because I didn't see it from that perspective on that deep sense, right? Like, didn't roll out you in really, really deep. I go, yeah, that's true, because I think about some of the undergrads I teach, right? <clears throat> and um over the last two three years like i've gone into they put me into sessions and stuff and um and i teach and i see the the big cohorts and you can sense that what's going through their mind like about career choices and stuff you just think self like i was there i was i was there where you were in that sense i wish i could give you the the, the wisdom and the knowledge right but you're gonna have to go through it to understand it sadly you know and but i think 
people like yourself <clears throat> was able to aid that process because it's such a crucial point i think in people's lives like you said about the 20s whatever about making taking opportunities away i think people do need coaching people do need that sort of like someone to bounce ideas with and not to feel intellectually you know intimidated in that sense or like an imposter syndrome um because i i've had my best moments with in terms of like going forward about making choices is with a coach because i'm able to share stuff and say look this is the problem I've got. This is what I want to get to. Not, not, not just in terms of career, but just in life. Um, mm. And they help me work through it, you know, without feeling they're invading my space, without telling me what to do, how to yeah. behave, what values I should have. They really have a very clever way of like um, extracting what's important to me and make me realize you know, and I think you don't. I don't realize at the time. You just think to yourself, "Yeah, that was good, good." But after a few years, after a few moments, you think, "Wow, that was quite powerful." I think that was the key. When people ask me, "When was your most time that you realized?" I go, "I think it was with that coach," because I think coaching mm-hmm. had a big impact, and it still does. That's why the work that you do is. Um, so, did you want to add something? Yeah, I was just going to say about like in terms of coaching. Like, there's definitely um, it's not a space where you give advice. It's a space where you allow the person to find a space to elicit the answers that they want from themselves. And um, we were talking about this before, how you get different levels of support. You get consulting where you can actually, you know, give people answers and just tell them what they're meant to be doing. You've got mentorship where you are equipping people with certain ideas and certain tools that they can use. So then they are then able to go off on their own. And then you've got coaching which is, you know, giving people uh, a space to really find themselves and what really aligns with them. And I think, um, I think as graduates, yes, they benefit from coaching, but I think as a coach myself, like I um, implement a lot of mentorship as well. And I think it's helpful in my specific area of work because I think psychology students and people that are quite young are looking for someone that can hold them up are looking for someone that can equip them in some things but equally it's making sure that you know if they just say can you tell me this can you tell me that it's like actually I'm not here to just give you the answers I'm here to give you the tools to help you find the answers so here's what you can take and this is what you can go away with and I think some people get like coaching and mentoring really like mixed up because they just think oh I'm either going to give them the answers or I'm not and it's like actually it's not all about just giving someone the answers because again, it's like teaching. It's like, if you give someone a learning, they're not going to be able to apply it unless they experience it for themselves. So they have to go away, experience it in some way and then come back and reflect. Um, so that's just what I wanted to add in terms of like coaching and mentorship and how it differs from like therapy or like consulting and things like that. We're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing. I, I wanted to ask this question. Um, how do people get in contact with you to know more about your work and to see you, to see um, your progress and to communicate with you? How is the best way to contact you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram at my site career coach. Um, it's funny because I've been doing this for like nearly two years, but I've been super low key about it. Because I'm like, ooh, <laughs> do I really want to get on social media about this? 
And then this year I set up my Instagram page for my site career coach. And I also have a website that's www.thepsychologycareerservice.co.uk. And I'm also starting a podcast as well. So um, thank you for that inspiration. <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping to share more kind of knowledge and support through just like, you know, podcasts, because I love podcasts as well. Like I used to listen to them all the time when I was driving and things like that. It's lovely to put on in the background. So hopefully that will help people as well. Uh, what's the word? I think it's fantastic. I was going to say like, this is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking so looking forward to your podcast. Um, I think um, just just basically providing you know, relief for people through this because because it's one of the ways to well-being in that sense learning um learning and taking notice is two ways to well-being actually uh, for those who are looking at mental health and mental well-being psychological functioning so i would say then in that case um, i'm going to hand over the mic to you um where you you're open to leave some words of <laughs> motivation or encouragement wherever you feel that you want to share um because uh, yeah, I, I think you know the conversation that we've had. Lots of listeners and viewers will find it useful to say it's okay. You know, um, there's options out there. So over to you. Once you stop talking, I will stop recording. Okay. So I just want to say that whatever stage or career journey that you're at at the moment. Um, you can do what it is that you have set yourself up to do. What you have to allow yourself is the time to grow. If you don't allow yourself the time to grow, then it will actually hinder your progress. So really take time for gradual growth, for listening to the people around you, for taking in your environment and your settings, wherever you're at, and just learning as much as you can. And also like asking questions. As a person, you can feel like you learn a lot just on your own, reading textbooks and listening to podcasts and things like that, which is fantastic in itself, but you have to have conversations with other people. So be as open as you possibly can to have as many conversations and that will really help you with your growth as well. Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do.